It's okay. You can cut this part out. It's no big deal. This is the preview. Hear ye, hear ye, all gather to hear Master Joe. From this point forward, we are going to call them Bridgewater. You know what we call 20 years around here? We call it Two Gruden. Nobody cares about fantasy, Sean. Nobody. They won the game they needed to win. Greg Williams should never step foot in an NFL locker room. You good? You got it all up? Fence grow and grow and grow. It's reps and reps and reps. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, just throw and throw and throw and throw. Terrible, terrible, terrible defense. And we don't recognize boundaries in 2021. That has to make you happy as a Buffalo fan. I'm old, leave me alone. Because he's not a quarterback, so does this still count as QBA? Like, this is the best! They are not going to eat some W's, but they will definitely eat some L's. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Out of Bounds podcast, Out of Bounds with a Z. I'm Joe McDonald, and as I normally am, and I am tonight after a brief one-episode disappearance, Mr. Sean Lawler. Sean, how are you doing this fine Wednesday evening? Well, you know, not too bad. Um, At the beginning of the year, did we go after Patrick Mahomes for saying, I'll see it when I believe it? Yes. About Herbert? Yes. That was on the golf course. Yes, we did. Yes. Yes. And I didn't realize how easy it is to say that. I shall apologize to Mr. Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> today, it's basically been talk- everybody's asking about Monday because the kids are supposed to go. The virtual learning supposed to end and the kids are supposed to go back to school. And I keep wanting to say, I'll believe it when I see it. Because the last time <laughs> we were told it was just a two-week break was March 2020. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed a little bit longer than that. And, yeah, a, and a lot of I see it, I'll see it when I believe it keeps coming out of my mouth. <laughs> so you have a huge apology, not only to John Gruden, but to Patrick Mahomes. One in the same in the book of Sean. Uh, Sean, we're glad to have you back. Uh, thanks to our friend Amon who, who came on Monday and helped us record the pod. But the band is back together, just like the Blues Brothers. We're getting the band back together. So we're very happy about that. Sean, it's the playoff time. We're finally uh, here to the playoffs. Well, we have we have something to clean up first. Oh, but please tell me we missed something start. from week eighteen. We missed something from week. We missed and the Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I would have been we, super insulted if you hadn't li- missed if you hadn't missed it. <laughs> Listen, I I made a conscious decision to not even look at the quarterback numbers because I was like, I don't even want to accidentally pick a Bridgewater of the week without Sean. I thought that would have been like cheating. Uh, which is, you know, obviously something that I'm not interested in doing. Um, unless it's you, you cheat all the time. Uh, you cheat with your picks. You cheat with your favorite teams and players. You have multiple teams and players. But you're Canadian. It's all right. I allow it. But let's get to the Bridgewater of the Week. We have some news, and then we're going to break down all the games. So, Sean, I'm just going to go with you. I trust you. You're upset. Go ahead and pick the Bridgewater <laughs> of the Week. So there are some worthy candidates. Uh, Kirk Cousins got close. 14 of 22 for 250, three touchdowns, no interceptions, a little too many touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill, 23 of 32 for 287, three touchdowns again. Russell Hustle and Bustle, Russell Wilson, 15 of 26 for 238, three touchdowns, one interception. But those are just outside of the parameters. I wanted to go with, have we given one to Trevor Lawrence yet? I don't believe so. No, I wanted to give it to him, but the other person that we're going to give it to is a little more worthy. Trevor Lawrence went 23 of 32 for 223, two touchdowns, no interceptions. 
it's not too bad not too bad no not at all that that fits right in the parameters but we're going to give it to jared goff 21 of 30 for 238 two touchdowns no interceptions and he beat the packers that's that that's that's teddy bridgewater that's fair. I, no, I, I could I could see that. That's fair. I, I'm not sure that we want to give the number one overall pick in the draft a Bridgewater. Uh, if he's deserving, by all means, he's deserving and he gets it. But I like the golf selection. I think that makes a little bit more sense. All right, Sean, with that business out of the way, now you're a little less upset with me. It's fine. I promise. Amon is not hiding backstage. He's not going to pop on the screen. It's just you and I. This is a safe zone. Just you and I. Uh, let's get into some news. Amon and I did talk about the coaching, you know, vacancies fill, uh, not filled, but basically created with Black Monday happening. A uh, lot, you know, a lot of coaches. Vic Fangio was fired on Sunday, not Monday, because they played Saturday. We had Brian Flores, a surprise cut. We had Matt Nagy. We had some GMs. One that wasn't fired on Monday was New York Giants ex-football coach Joe Judge. Some people were surprised just because they had really fallen apart this season. Now injuries were concerned. We saw Dave Gettleman, quote-unquote, retire. Uh, But some people were really questionable, especially after Miami let go of Flores, that Judge still had a job. Well, it didn't last very long, Sean. It lasted till Tuesday because Joe Judge was then let go as the football coach of the New Jersey Giants. Um, What was your thinking with that? Why do you think they waited a day? Did it have anything to do with the backlash? I mean, what's going on with the Giants? I think it was more of... They let Gettleman retire, have his own day, whatever. And then it was, yeah, okay, now Gettleman's gone, so we're going to fire Joe Judge. Um, mm-hmm. So I, you you have the Rooney or the Mar quotes, and they're just, yeah, they're a ridiculous family, so we don't expect anything better. He's so out of touch with, like, the current state of the NFL. I mean, yeah, I want to talk about this a minute because – Mara goes on and does an interview and basically says that he's, you know, it's social media's fault that they think the family is in football ops and, and are putting their hands on all this stuff. And like, that's the furthest thing from the truth. And then they're saying, well, we need to really reassess how we decide on the coaches. Like we, we did it a little too hastily last time and we need to take our time with it and stuff. This hasn't been an issue new. Like, don't forget, like, the Tom Coughlin stuff ended poorly, even with the two Super Bowls. Like, it didn't end well. Like, the the Maras are, like it or not, a cornerstone franchise of the modern NFL. They've been in it, you know, skin in the game. It's a family business, same as the Steelers, things of that sort. Same as the Bears, the Lions, the Raiders, you know, for a long time now. But... Mora, don't forget, is the same guy who said the reason that they wouldn't sign Colin Kaepernick is because he was getting emails and social media stuff about how people wouldn't follow the team anymore. So, like, Mara's just an old guy who doesn't really understand what's going on in, in the 21st century. But this job is not a good job, Sean. I'm sorry. Like, I, I get that somebody's going to take it. It's probably going to be an unproven guy, much like a Joe Judge. I wouldn't go to this franchise right now at the GM or the coach spot. Would you? It's a tough one. Who are the GMs that are kind of available right now? Wait, GM positions open or, or no, GM? the GMs? Well, like, I mean, are there any high ticket 
GMs that people are. Oh going yeah, after. I mean, there's lots of guys. There's, I mean, I'm I, I'm not prepared for this. So off the top of my head, I'm trying to think. Uh, there's the I think it's Con from Pittsburgh is is a is a big candidate right now. Uh, I saw Elliot Wolf, uh, director of player personnel for the Patriots, has gotten a few interviews. I mean, there's nobody that jumps out. It's I mean, if you really are into the league and the front office stuff, there's some names that are really going to be out there. Of course, uh, the Steelers GM Kevin Colbert is stepping down after the drafts. So maybe Brown or not Brown Con gets that job. But I mean, there's some candidates, but I, I, it all man, depends on the GM, in my opinion, because that's yeah. that'll that'll determine the quality of the coach that you get. Yeah. Uh, somebody's going to think they can turn this franchise around. Yeah. It's, it's, that's it's just, just it's a paycheck. It's a really good paycheck. Exactly. On the on the back of that, though, I want to ask you, with the openings that are available right now, whether it's the GM position or the coaching position, if somebody were to call you, Sean, and say, Sean, we want you to run our franchise either in the front office or a head coach, which of the available jobs, let's go over them real quick, we have the Jaguars coaching, Broncos, Minnesota, Chicago, the Giants, and the Raiders. And I am I missing any? I think I have all the ones covered. And then it, the GM yeah. positions, we have Minnesota, Chicago, and the Giants. But of all those positions, what's the one position? If you had your dream job of those positions, what's the one you want to take? It's a GM position because I'd rather work with the roster, to be honest. For what team? What are the teams again? Minnesota, okay. Chicago, or the Giants? So Chicago or the Giants. I'd, I'd love to say Chicago, but they don't have their own draft pick in the first round. Am I not correct? That's true. They traded That's it true. actually okay. to the Giants for yeah. Justin Fields. So the Giants have two first-round draft picks. Mm-hmm. It's Minnesota. As the coach or the GM? The GM. Okay. And I'm figuring out a way to get off of Cousins. Mm-hmm. And it, it's tough. It's a tough cap situation. Mm-hmm. However, if Dalvin Cook stays healthy, you've got Jefferson. Yeah. it's And that defense played really well. Like, they had a shot at the playoffs. Like, a half-decent mm-hmm. shot for, like, some of the terrible <laughs> games that they played at the beginning of the season. So, it, it's the Vikings GM. I'm going to surprise you a little bit. Sean, we're moving to Minnesota together. My choice is the, is the Vikings head coach. I, I really like their pieces. I, again, their cap situation. But if I'm the head coach, I'm not stressed about the cap. That's your job, Sean. Don't bother me with the cap. Give me the players. I think they have some nice building blocks around. I like their draft this past year. I think they've got a nice blend of veterans and young guys. Again, we talked about the cap. I think going into next season, right now, they're $9 million over the cap. But, again, you're going to cut guys, restructure guys, extend guys, things of that sort. I have Justin Jefferson on a rookie deal. I have Dalvin Cook, who hopefully is healthy. You know, Thielen, maybe they trade him. Maybe they just decide, you know, with his cap and things like that, that it's time to move on. Um, Again, like, I'm really interested in that situation. My second choice, hmm, I'm not going to lie. The Raiders head coaching position looks interesting. I think it's for this, spoken for. I, I think Basachi has it. I, I think that's fair. I think they're yeah. gonna, but I, I really think that 
Davis is going to go fishing. He's going fishing for a big fish, whether that's Harbaugh or somebody else. He's trying to get somebody because that's what he wants. He wants names. He, he wants, you know, somebody on the marquee, you know, next to the Al Davis mem- Memorial Flame. They want the coach's face right there. That's what they want. And that's what they wanted in Gruden. Like they got Mayoff because he was on TV. They got Gruden because he was on TV and because he was a Raider. Like, let, let's call it what it is, right? All right. A little, a little story that's out there, a little, a little idea that is out there is expanding the current playoffs, Sean. Right now, of course, we have seven teams in each conference. The number one team with the best record gets a bye. Well, there's this little groundswell of people who can never leave things alone, kind of like us, who actually want to expand the playoffs on the heels of seeing that Chargers game and these good teams missing out. Let's not forget other years where the last team in has been pretty terrible. But, <laughs> you know, i.e. Pittsburgh this year. But they want to expand the playoffs to eight games and give no teams a bye. Do you like this idea? Do you not like this idea? What's your feelings on this? I don't like the no buys at all. This is football is the kind of sport where you actually need a buy. It's advantageous, especially if you want that team to go to the Super Bowl because it's one less game to have to play, thus making their odds better. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't want no buy. <laughs> at all like that's that's i thought we were all about player safety <laughs> like, let's exactly. add more games like this exactly. is literally just a revenue a revenue thing and it's no i don't support it I, i'm okay with eight teams and two buys i like the one team getting a buy you know that's that's pretty advantageous but wasn't it that way before it was the two, it was two yeah, teams two buys yeah, two buys yeah, yeah. So I'm yeah. I'm good with two buys again if you go to out to eight teams, but it's not it's not going to be no buys. I hate this idea. It is the worst idea I've ever heard, and that includes my own ideas that have been horribly pathetic over the years. This is a horrible, horrible idea because what it does is it de incentivizes winning. Like it really does. Like who, who's going to like you come down to the, the the last game of the season. We care because in, in the AFC, we had Kansas City who won on Saturday and had the number one seed. So we're waiting for Tennessee to find out if they're able to win and get back that number one seed and get the much-needed buy. If we go to a no-buy system, Tennessee is going to do whatever's advantageous for them. So they're going to look at the playoff matchups. They're going to say, oh, well, you know, okay – the one seed is actually playing a tougher team that we match up against as opposed to the two seeds. So we're going to throw the game like this to me is so bad. And again, I'm not in favor of expanding the playoffs too much because you are going to get those <laughs> below mediocre teams. I mean, let's just call it what it is like right now. I think in, I don't have it in front of me in the AFC, it would have been either the chargers or Baltimore. Okay. So people are like, Oh, I want to see Herbert. I want to see Herbert. That's fair. Who is next in the NFC? Minnesota, New Orleans, I think. Does anybody want to watch Taysom Hill in a playoff game? Does anybody like? I get that they were nine and eight. They had a, a good season, especially under the circumstances with the injuries and stuff they had. But like, 
why are we punishing really good teams by taking away their bye week and giving mediocre teams more access to a prestigious title? Like, isn't that the the exact opposite of what the NFL is? Don't we want the best of the best, right? It's all about money at this point. Well, um, yeah, obviously. And I looked at the math. My my two buy teams wouldn't work. You'd have to have a, like a double buy from one of them. <laughs> yeah, but maybe that's the maybe that's the benefit of getting the number one seed. You get two weeks off, mm-hmm. but that's a little too much. I, I think two weeks off is actually way too much. Yeah. So it's it just I just don't support another playoff team in no buys. I, I agree with you that it's going to de incentivize winning. And it's just, it's all about money at this point with the NFL. Oh, I mean, it has been for years, but it's been, yeah. All right, Sean, there's a story I want to talk about because this is going to bring up an old thing that we talked about, which is something I always love. The Denver Broncos, ever since the passing of Pat Bolin, the, the former owner, well, actually, in 2015, he moved the ownership from him to a family run trust because he was suffering from Alzheimer's. So he couldn't perform the day-to-day you know, operations of an owner. The, I think it's three kids of the Bolin family have fought. They do not agree on an ownership stake. They, but Pat died, I believe it was in 2019. And basically they, <laughs> they're trying to decide what to do with the team because they want to cash in, it seems like, and they can't decide on one person to run it. So these are three kids fighting. Now, Before they could sell it, there was a Canadian company, Edgar Kaiser, who sold the team to Pat Bowen in 1984. Now, at that point, they had what was called the right of first refusal, okay, that if Bowen wanted to sell the team or whatever, right? Now, (laughs) this is where it gets interesting. They sold it to Bowen. Bowen passes away, and it goes to the family trust. Now, before the Broncos could sell it, Edgar Kaiser, who was the owner of Edgar Kaiser, you know, the Canadian company, the family of him, his heirs, are trying to say that they still own the rights of first refusal because they sold it to Bolin and Bolin's trust is taking it over. So this was in court. Well, a court decision just came down, paving the way where they were saying, no, 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 no. The, the rights have not transferred. Like Edgar Kaiser passed away, I believe, in 2012 and Pat Bolin in 2019. So they're both dead. I don't know if you know this, but if you have a marriage license and somebody dies, that marriage license is no longer valid. Like when you die, the right of first refusal dies with you. So the Kaiser, the Kaiser uh, family was trying to stop the sale that they could choose who to sell it to because, of course, they're going to get kickbacks and, you know, they're going to grease the wheels and all that. Well, a judge finally decided no. And the bowling kids are going to just try and sell it. So this is where it gets tricky because, number one, there are multiple, multiple people and groups interested in buying the Broncos. The last evaluation of the franchise had them at about $4.2 billion. So. NFL rules state to have a majority stake in a, in a franchise, you have to have 30% of the controlling uh, stock stakes, whatever, you know, 30%. For a so, majority? Yeah. No, no. J- to be the controlling owner. Oh, like you can yeah. sell off all your, if you want to do shares, whatever, you can t- do all that. But the, there has to be at least one person who owns 30% to be the, um, 
the majority stakeholder, you know, to have that. So in that regard, that would be $1.4 billion. Now, there's been rumors that John Elway is interested in buying the team. Someone's now, he's a saver. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of people think that John Elway and Peyton Manning are doing this together. That's not true. Peyton Manning is rumored to be in another group looking to purchase the Denver Broncos. There could be, according to some rumors, up to 10 different buyers for the Broncos. So it's going to get into a bidding war. But I wanted to bring something up to you because I want to bring this around. We talked about a publicly owned team, or at least a partially publicly owned team, that if an owner would have put up 50% of, you know, stake in a team or 50.1% or whatever, and basically put out stocks for people to purchase for the team, right? Because we know these teams are going to appreciate in value and stuff like this. Well, Sean, I did some digging. I pulled out my handy phone right here with a calculator on it. And I found out that, again, the franchise is worth $4.2 billion. And if one person or entity has to purchase $1.4 billion have the majority stakeholder that leaves 2.8 billion dollars left now i figured out if you put out shares at two hundred fifty thousand dollars per share you could sell eleven thousand two hundred shares of the denver broncos therefore raising your capital of 4.2 billion dollars now you're gonna think that's a lot of money that's insane the packers don't do that that's very fair Here's the difference. The Packers, as of 2021, had 361,300 shareholders, and they owned over 5 million shares of the, of the Green Bay Packers. No one person is allowed to own over 200,000 shares of Packers stock. That's, that's in the, the bylaws, the guidelines of whatever it is. In my world, you now become part of an exclusive club, the first partially privately owned franchise of the 21st century. So if you get somebody like a John Elway or a Peyton Manning who want to get a partnership group, an ownership group, and say, we want to put up the $1.4 billion, and we're going to open ourselves up, you come up with cash, cash only, sorry people, COD, you come up with $250,000 and deposit it into this bank account. Here's the routing numbers. You now become a minority shareholder in the Denver Broncos. And all we're going to do is you get to put a nice plaque up wherever you work, wherever you live, saying you now own part of the Broncos and your shares are only going to go up because we know these franchisers are just going to keep going up in value. So if you choose to sell your shares later on, you can make some money. Sean, is my idea crazy? Is it stupid? Who should buy the Broncos? Fill in the blank. How much was the share price? $250,000. So a house. Cash. Yeah, you'll get a lot of the upper class buying it. They'll they'll enjoy their taste of it. Mm -hmm. I think they'll do it. I think it's got some legs. But I don't see it happening because I I think rich people are greedy, and they're like I could I could just find some people to put that up, and now I own that. 
<laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I have no idea who should buy the team. Um, couldn't let's, really care less. Okay, so let's start a war here. You get to choose. Do you want to be John Elway or do you want to be Peyton Manning? That's a terrible choice. I know it is, and I'm making you choose. I'm going to be Peyton Manning. You're going to be Peyton Manning. Okay, well, since you're the younger of us, I'm going to let you go ahead and give your 30-second elevator pitch for Peyton Manning and his butt and his uh, bid group to own the Denver Broncos. So, Sean, 30 seconds of yours. Go. I have my own production company. I am on Monday Night Football right now. <laughs> or is it Monday night or Sunday night? Monday night, right? Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football, yeah. Um, I'm Peyton Manning. I've hosted SNL. And I've won the most recent Super Bowl. <laughs> Members of the esteemed panel who will listen to me for the next 28 seconds. I'm John freaking Elway. Peyton Manning can't even carry a Monday Night Broadcast on ESPN2 by himself. He has to have his little brother there for comic relief. I'm John Elway. The drive. I'm the one who handed the ball to Terrell Davis. I'm the one that the late, great Pat Bowen thought could guide the franchise. I brought Peyton Manning here. Peyton Manning didn't bring me here. I brought him here. So if you want a second-class owner, you go with Peyton Manning. You want a first-class owner and a guy who loves tall quarterbacks, you pick John freaking Elway. I'm not going <laughs> to lie, Sean. I kind of like being John Elway. <laughs> Oh, that, all right. That's what my pick was more than anything was to make you John Elway. <laughs> all right, Sean, enough of the shenanigans. We have playoff football to get to. Let's talk about these games. We're actually going to go over all the games, find out what we're most interested in here. We have two games on Saturday. We have three games on Sunday and one game on Monday, which I absolutely hate. That is the worst decision ever, but we'll get to that. Our first game of the weekend Stay is here. the last What's that? Hater? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you new here? Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders fresh off their last second win to get into the playoffs. Travel to Cincinnati to face the Bengals. Now the Bengals, we know AFC North champions, surprise team. I think you could say of the year, especially how good they looked at times. Joe Burrow, you know, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, the defense, everything. Sean, I, I don't expect you to pick a winner. But what are you looking for going into this game? What's your one big thing? The Bengals' front line has to protect um, Joe Burrow. Like that, and Max Crosby was just getting after it in that last game, and Njoku was getting after it. And the whole defense played really well. And if they can shut down Jamar Chase, and Mixon, like if they can shut down both of them, or at least I think if they can shut down Jamar Chase, that they can stop Mixon. And I don't know if Mixon's going to be able to carry them. And Derek Carr's got like weird energy going on to win this game. Yeah, no, I agree with you. They they definitely seem like on a roll again. This was the team we left for dead. Let's not let's not sugarcoat it. We thought they were circling the drain multiple times. And they seemed like it at times, but they clawed their way back and made it to the playoffs. 
to me, this game hinges on the Cincinnati defense. Uh, it started off really strong earlier in the year. I think the Raiders are doing some stuff on offense that keeps them in these games. Like we, we talked about so much of Herbert in that game Sunday night, but Carr had a really good game. Mm-hmm. Like Jacobs ran the ball well. And I think if Cincinnati wants to move on to the divisional round, they're going to have to contain those guys. They're going to have to contain Waller, who's still coming back. He, he was slow. But again, they've got just enough pieces around them that if Cincinnati doesn't play that really solid defense that they played for, for part of the year, they're going to get caught by surprise. Now, they have an offense to catch up, but like you said, that Raiders defense has also played well. You have Crosby. You have Njoku. You, you have the pressure that they were getting on Herbert, and they can do that against a really porous Cincinnati offensive line. But to me, the Cincinnati defense needs to show up. They need to get a, a turnover or two, a takeaway or two, to really flip the field and just get this game out of the way. This is a team that they should be, but I'm really going to be looking for the Cincinnati defense and see how they show up. All right, Sean, let's get to it. Saturday night. What was it? Elton John said Saturday night's all right for fighting. Well, that's what we're going to be doing, sir. We're going to be fighting (laughs) for the third time this season. The New England Patriots versus the Buffalo Bills traveling to Buffalo. Buffalo wins the division. The Patriots just can't pull it out, but they're in the playoffs. It's all that matters. Sean, what is the one thing? I know you're a billion things you're looking for at this game, but what's the one thing you're most interested in going into this game? A Mac Jones in that weather. It's, I don't, three degrees. That's, <laughs> that is cold, my friend. That is, that is cold weather. So I, if he can hand it off well, it might do well for the Patriots. Mm-hmm. But it's I don't think that's gonna be it's gonna be like last time in the snow. This is gonna be cold. I think it's the ball is gonna be hard as a rock. Mm-hmm. Are the New England running backs gonna have some handling problems for that? And just he's gonna have to throw and it's not looking good. Yeah, uh, I want to thank Mina Khan from ESPN for posting this earlier. Josh Allen actually has a below 50% completion percentage in cold weather games. So, um, yeah, for all your concerns about Mac Jones, I'm uh, quite happy with uh, Josh Allen. So we'll see what happens. Uh, My biggest thing that I'm looking forward to is you kind of touched on a little bit. It's both teams running games. Uh, Buffalo has ran the ball a little bit better here the last couple of weeks. Maybe that's the quality of their opponent. Maybe that's just by design. But – this is a game, whether or not the weather was to be 65 degrees or five degrees, I think this is a game that's going to be won and lost in the trenches by both teams. So really, both teams need to establish a running game. The difference is I think the Patriots want to run the ball to win. I think Buffalo needs to run the ball to open up the play-action pass, which is something the Patriots have been susceptible to all season. When you get guys like Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs, even running backs out of the backfield, who's uh, Emmanuel Sanders, you know, off the play action. Like Jalen Mills for the Patriots is on the COVID list. Who knows if he's going to get back? Like the secondary hasn't played as well the second part of the year for the Patriots. So if Buffalo can run the ball and get some of those play action plays down the field, it's going to be a long night for New England. So really, I think the running game for both teams is what I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, Let's get into the Sunday action. The first game is the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, the Buccaneers, the two seed, Philadelphia, the seven seed. Um, Sean, what are you looking forward to the most in this game? It's the Philadelphia Eagles pass defense. 
because there's not going to be a running game coming out of Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be whether Tom Brady could win this by passing the ball. And, you know, Fletcher Cox is going to be a huge key to that pass defense and trying to get some pressure on Brady and making him throwing it early against this secondary. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm interested in the game plan for Philadelphia as a whole because they got here on the legs of everybody on that offense. They got here on the legs of Jordan Howard and, and Miles Sanders and um, Jalen Hurts and, and everybody else who's touched the ball for them this season. And I really think that if they do want a chance to beat this Tampa Bay team, like you said, they have a pass rush. Tampa Bay has a pass rush. So if you drop Hurts back there, they can knock the ball out. They can absolutely take the ball away on one miscue from Jalen Hurts. I really am interested to see if Philadelphia tries to change who they are or if they're just like, listen, this is how we got here. Like, we're going to try and run the ball a whole bunch, control the clock, and we don't care if we get field goals. Like, we just need points. Again, I think you've seen in the league this year, it's been talked about a lot with, like, Brandon Staley and some other coaches, you know, oh, they're passing up the points. They're just going for it. When you play a team like Tampa Bay, you need to get any points you can. Because if by chance, like you said, the Eagles defense can, you know, hold them or just, you know, be able to stretch a little bit as opposed to just falling apart, Philadelphia is going to need those points. So I want to see Philadelphia's game plan on offense, especially how they try and run the ball against that Tampa Bay defense. All right, Sean, the next game, the San Francisco 49ers traveling to Dallas. This game 25 years ago would have been the biggest thing in the history of the world. Now it just seems like a lot of people are expecting a Dallas walkover. But what is your biggest thing that you're looking forward to going into the game? The Dallas defense has to, has to, has to get after Jimmy G. They absolutely have to make him flustered. He played really well last week, and the Rams just weren't getting to him. They they were letting him do his thing, and when he gets in a groove, they, that can happen. We've seen Diggs can let up the double move. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the San Francisco 49ers, like, Brandon Naik is finally being used properly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's going to be dangerous if Parsons and company cannot get after Jimmy G. Yeah, I, I'm going to stay on that side of the ball, but in a different way. Dallas has to tackle, tackle, tackle. You have Debo Samuel, who anytime he touches the ball is a threat to score, whether it's throwing the ball, running the ball, or catching the ball. You have George Kittle, who can absolutely make every person on defense look ridiculous, whether it's chipping on a lineman, whether it's making a linebacker look silly, or whether it's out-muscling a cornerback or safety. So they have the players on offense that can really concern you because they can score from anywhere, or they can get you big plays, which Dallas has been susceptible to, like you said, with digs on the double moves of missing tackles, things of that sort. So if I'm Dallas, I'm really, really, really focused on tackling. Do not let these guys get a second chance to get down the field. Uh, we've seen, is it Elijah Mitchell, I think, the running back? You know, yeah. The running backs have been so so in and out of the lineup, but like every running back is able to get. So if those first defenders miss and the running backs are able to get to the second level or to the outside, it could be a really long day for that Dallas defense. So it, yeah, my biggest thing is the Cowboys need to tackle, 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 which I hope they don't. So <laughs> moving on to our final game of Sunday, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers just sneaking into the playoffs to face off against the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Uh, ben Roethlisberger said today that uh, they basically have no chance against the Chiefs. So we're just going to go out there and have fun. Um, all right. There's that. Uh, what's your thing you're most looking forward to in this game, Sean? I guess is it's basically how the Kansas City offense looks and how they come out and if they come out impassioned or if laissez-faire as they have been, it seems most of the season. So that's that's the one thing. Like the, like you had mentioned on the last pod, like you and Amon had talked about, they <laughs> the Broncos almost won this game that game. Like Drew Locke was ridiculous. Like it was like I I fully expected Kansas City to just curb stomp the Broncos because they were starting their starters to try and get the first place. And yeah. they yeah, it was ridiculous. So that that's what I'm looking to see if if they come out with the passion or not. Yeah, again, like do we expect Kansas City to win this game? Yeah. Do we expect Kansas City to win big? Yeah. Could Pittsburgh play spoilers? Possibly. I mean, this is the most vulnerable vulnerable we've seen Kansas City. I mean, yeah, they're the number two seed, and they had a a very good chance at winning the number one seed, but don't they feel like they could be gotten? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. So the thing I'm most interested in is that Pittsburgh offense because I think it's going to go one of two ways. We're going to have a throwback performance by that offense. And by that offense, I mean not only Ben Roethlisberger, but Najee Harris running the ball, things of that sort. Or it's going to look like a tire fire and in the third quarter, and nobody's going to watch the end of the game. They're just going to be psyched for Monday Night Football because this is the last. I I actually think this was put there for a reason. This was the last game on Sunday night because they expect the Chiefs to win big. And if they are winning big, people are like, Pittsburgh ain't winning this and they're gonna turn off the TVs. Like they're not gonna they're not gonna make people wait for like you know Niners Cowboys. They want the audience to be tuned in all game. They can care less if people are tuning into Kansas City at Pittsburgh because the fan base is Pittsburgh, one of the most rabid in the NFL. Chiefs one those people will watch. But if it's like a 15-point game at halftime, I'm not sure many people are staying up to watch the Chiefs run out the clock against Pittsburgh. Do you? You don't want to hear Chris Collinsworth just like absolutely. Yeah, I felt dirty no. after listening to him talk about Herbert. It was it's, it was tough to listen to. I wonder if since they since they uh, implemented gambling into the shows and, and you know in the league, it seems like they've also implemented drinking for announcers. There's been some really offhand weird commentary by like everybody from like Romo to Nance to Collinsworth to like some of these guys. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, are you taking some of the same gummy Sean is before the show? Like what, what are you chewing on? Like, what is that CBD? My ass. Like that's got some, some, some other stuff in it. It's crazy, man. I can't believe it. All right. Let's get to the last game of the wild card weekend. The Arizona Cardinals versus the Rams. I love this matchup. I hate that it's Monday night, but I love this matchup. Uh, Sean, what is the one thing you're most looking forward to in this game? Which Rams team are we going to get? <laughs> that's the that's the biggest question. Like the way they lost that game to the 49ers, just what like what was going on on the defense? Like just. Ramsey's diving because he's like way out of the play and just missing tackles and Donald's not getting pressure and it, it was just yeah it was it was an absolute mess 
I think when the Rams traded for Matt Stafford, and if you remember this, I was actually more high on Detroit getting the picks than I was the Rams getting Stafford. Because even if you like, we saw Stafford with the number one wide receiver in the league with Calvin Johnson. Now, granted, he had a bad team around him at times or a mediocre team around him at times, but like he couldn't get over the hump. So, like, yeah, you put a good team around him, but he still makes those boneheaded plays. He still makes those mistakes where you're just like, wait, what is going on? And the defense, it, like you said, and, and you mentioned it earlier, like Amon and I on Monday, we talked about it. Like, 17 points and your defense gives that up against a division rival when you can keep them like out of the playoffs. Like, what are you playing for? Like Jackson stood up and beat the Colts and kept them out of the playoffs. Like Pittsburgh got up and was able to beat Baltimore, keeping them out of the playoffs, like the Raiders keeping the chargers out of the playoffs. And the Rams are just like, eh, we'll see you. See you next week. Like it's, it's just, it's nuts. Um, The thing I'm most looking forward to in this game though, is the coaching narrative because coming out of this game, one of these young head coaches is going to get their flowers probably undeservedly a little too soon. And another coach is going to have a huge ding on their resume because we're going to look at it two ways. If Arizona loses, we're going to say, well, this is just the second half collapse that Kingsbury and the, and the Cardinals have. And he's just not big time enough, which maybe that's fair. Maybe it's unfair. And if McVay loses, then we're going to say, well, we gave him an all-pro quarterback. He had the great defense. We made trades to bring guys in. And he can't get us past the first round against Arizona and Cliff Kingsbury. And I think if Arizona wins, then all of a sudden we're saying, oh, Cliff Kingsbury is better than Sean McVay because he just beat Sean McVay, even though McVay took the Rams to a Super Bowl. And if McVay wins, they can say, well, see, he, look at him. He's just – he's beating the teams he has to. He beat that – he beat Kyler Murray – Beat his protege, Cliff Kingsbury. You know, he's still the man. You know, he's still the best of the young guys and all that. So, I mean, the Rams brought back safety Eric Weddle out of retirement because safety Jordan Fuller was injured. So, I mean, the Rams at this point are desperate. Like, they're they're dateless on prom night calling all the girls in the high school directory just saying, are you free tonight? Are you free tonight? Are you free tonight? And they're just they're grasping onto whatever they can. I'm surprised they have contract or um, like, what is it? Space in their contracts. Like the oh, Giants well, couldn't they, even put a, like cap space. That's what it is. Well, remember cap space no longer applies in the, oh, okay. in the, in the postseason. you can sign a player and they just get a playoff share, which is a set amount of money, which does not go against the cap space. Like Matt Stafford is making the same money as Eric Weddle, who's making the same money as Andrew Whitworth, who's making the same as Jayla Rams. Those numbers do not change. So I, I understand your point, but yeah, that that's what's happening with this. Um, so that's all they had to do was just get to the playoffs and they can sign whoever they want. Whoever they, whoever they want. Whoever's the street free agent. I love Don't it in gas space. Yeah. <laughs> the New Orleans Saints are looking at him like, damn it. <laughs> we want to sign Drew Brees, damn it. Uh, that would actually be funny if they did that. If they got to the playoffs and then signed Drew Brees oh, and man. didn't have to pay him like a contract. It was just like, oh, by the way, Drew, you're starting the playoff game. That's a, you know what? That's a sneaky thing. We should look at that in the future. We need to yeah. we need to keep an eye on that. All right, Sean. Philip Rivers is just like, where's my call? <laughs> <laughs> well, Colts, maybe if you made it. Uh, let okay. Let's take Patriots bills off the table because for you and I, that's clearly the game we're most looking forward to. What is your most intriguing matchup 
of all these games? What's the one that you're going to keep your eyes glued to the TV the whole time? It'll be Arizona Rams. Um, just because, you know, I've got a stake in the Cardinals there and Cliff Kingsbury, unfortunately. <laughs> and yeah, that second half collapse has been kind of ridiculous, but it's the Rams is the same. They've been, it's been just as ridiculous. Like the West did get three teams in, but it's not like anyone was so dominant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. No, you're absolutely right. That, that, I mean, that's a good one. There's no wrong answer. Um, mine's going to be Niners Cowboys because can the Cowboys finally be the serious team that they seem to have the personnel for, but you know, they've been kind of a joke with Mike McCarthy and you know, some of the stuff and Dak is pushed back against the media and all this other stuff. But I mean, let's not lie. They have a team and they have a team that should be competitive. Like if they don't make the NFC title game with that talent, you kind of have to take a look and say, you know, like what happened there? So it'll be interesting to see. And San Francisco, I'm not a Shanahan believer. I'm not even a big, huge Jimmy G believer, but they seem to have something that works for them. Again, not every team's going to go 12 and five every year. Not every team's going to go 14 and three every year. But if you're consistent and you get in the dance and you play the game that you want to play, I mean, this is a team, let's not forget, two years ago, we're in the Super Bowl. Or not two years ago. Yeah, two years ago, we're in the Super Bowl. With Jimmy G at quarterback. And Kyle Shanahan, head coach, and had a lead in the fourth quarter. So, like, this is a good team. So I'm going to be intrigued to see how this game plays out. But that's the game I'm definitely going to have my eyes glued to, like, the whole time. I'm just going to be like, wow, what's going to happen? Because do I trust either team with a lead? No, not really. So (laughs) if it's a 10-point lead in the fourth, I'm still kind of like, yeah, this one still got (laughs) some So there's a big chance. Yeah. Um. Sean, anything else, sir? No, that was everything. We hit it all. We hit it all. We did nice, nice, easy, smooth one for you. Um, again, sorry you missed Monday. We we really did miss you. Um, I'm sure people are very happy you're back. Uh, I'm not one of them, but I'm sure people are. No, I I kid, I kid. Uh, in, in all seriousness, um, can't wait for this weekend's playoffs. It's gonna be so much fun. Uh, you guys up in Canada, you really know how to throw a party. So I can't wait until I see all the Bills pictures, all the Bills paraphernalia up in your house and, you know, <laughs> Bill Belichick hanging from a noose and, you know, polar bears eating, um, you know, uh, pictures of Mac Jones and, you know, we're going to tear apart and all that. I can't wait. You have to, you have to show me on Zoom. But uh, in all seriousness, I can't wait. Oh, one more question I have to ask. We didn't ask. We named the game we want to watch the most. What's the one game that, let's call it our Todd Packer of the weekend, the one that we just don't want to watch for whatever reason. What's that game for you, Sean? And Green Bay's not playing, so you actually have to pick the game. <laughs> it's, it's Pittsburgh at Kansas City. Like, I don't, I just, like, yeah, sure. I don't, yeah. I don't expect much out of it. We'll see. I, yeah. can, I can check out the highlights. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. That that game just, it does nothing for me. It really does. We're supposed to get like five to eight inches of snow. And I'm like, eh, if it knocks out the cable Sunday night, I'm good. I want to see the rest of the games. But, you know, if the cable gets turned off that night, I'm like, eh, it's okay. I'll follow along on Twitter. It's okay. Uh, on that note, this is the Out of Bounds podcast, Out of Bounds with the Z. Don't forget to come check us out on all your favorite streaming platforms. 
Go check out Sean and Marcus and Trey. They just released an episode on Charity Stripe commentary talking about what's going on in the league, although there's even more news now. And I think you guys are going to do your reserves. I'm not all the way through that episode, so I think you're going to do um, your reserves. Not yet, no. No, oh, we no, just okay, talked about some news. That. We're going to do reserves another another time after they announce the starters. Oh, okay. So, that we so know we're waiting we're for working that. With. Although Sean was very Canadian and decided to change his pick for starters in the West, so <laughs> couldn't, even, couldn't even stand your ground. I tell you, so pathetic. So pathetic. <laughs> Uh, and go listen to a Ginger's Tailgate podcast with uh, our friends Brendan and Lewis. They are going to have an episode this week, obviously talking about that very surprising at oh times God. Uh, national championship game between Alabama and Georgia. I won't spoil for those of you who haven't seen it, but uh, let's just say our friend Caleb is not doing well between uh, Alabama and Indianapolis, not closing the deal. Oops, I spoiled it. Uh, it. It was not a good weekend for our friend. So that was, no. was kind of rough. I got a late night text. It was like, oh boy. <laughs> so, uh, but again, everybody, just be safe out there. Uh, have fun. Enjoy football this weekend. Cannot wait. Uh, check me on Friday nights, eight o'clock Eastern, on the ASAP Network on the show Hoosier Huddle, where I talk to our buddy Amon. Who, again, uh, thank you, Amon, for coming on and spelling Sean and allowing me to chew your ear off for a while. And uh, everybody, be safe. Take care. It's okay to not be okay. And we'll talk to you later. Peace. put this at the end (laughs) (laughs) all right good night love you guys all right Uh, i'm just pulling up the broncos thing real quick um yeah so we'll just uh oh and when we're talking about the games eric weddle unretired did you see that safety he played for the chargers and then he played for the ravens and now he's going to play with the rams I think did he play with the Rams before he retired? I think so. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure Ramsey posted a picture of them together, but I could be wrong. It's my age. It's a little older than me. Yeah, he hasn't played since 2019. So, but yeah. So, um, the article. Okay. Yeah, like I said, we can uh, we can get into it. Okay, I think I remember enough of it. I should be able to do all right. It's not like I've never come into a pod. I'm prepared. <laughs> all right. Whenever you're ready, sir.